relationships, of course, are about compromise and, and figuring out where that line is. And I, I loved playing that sort of conflict because, of course, you, you know, there's something exciting potentially about it, but you can feel that Patrick just is sort of not excited about that and feels like he's really, you know, come to love the town as right. his home. Hey everyone, welcome to EW Onset. I'm Shana Naomi Krokmal. And I'm Patrick Gomez. This is Entertainment Weekly's exclusive companion podcast to the sixth and final season of Shit's Creek. Oh, and more final by the moment. I know, getting Sorry. more final by <laughs> the moment. There's a little knife twist. I know, no, I stay. saw you like had Keep a visceral listening. reaction. I know, don't stop listening just because we are acknowledging the reality that this show is going to end. Ugh, but yeah, that's okay. We've got a few more weeks and we're going to be here every Wednesday morning after uh, the episodes air with recaps and exclusive on-set interviews with the cast and crew and our tears. Our tears <laughs> and spoilers. Yes. Spoilers today, ahoy, for 612. Only, only through what we've seen. Only through what we've seen. This episode was written by Dan Levy and directed by Andrew Cividino. You're going to hear from Dan, from Noah Reed, from Eugene Levy and Annie Murphy. Um, and so make sure you've seen the episode and then listen to all of this. Or it's not going to really make a lot of sense. And you're going to laugh more if you've seen it. So <laughs> I, like, go I hope watch so. It. A lot happens this week. Yeah, like, it was we're, like a lot of You plot. start to feel that like momentum of like wherever it is that this is going, we've got a lot to get through. And and you start to really see that payoff through the first 11 and now to the 12th episode of the season. And we know that really some of the seeds of these storylines were planted well back in season five because they knew that these two seasons would be the final season. And I think you really have that sense of momentum. You've got Team Rosebud. You've got Johnny, Stevie, and Roland who are jutting off to New York to give a big pitch to Johnny's former assistant, Mike, um, who they're hoping his company, his hedge fund, will invest in their idea to expand all of these roadside motels. So that's happening. Then you've got uh, Moira and Alexis and David who are like freaking out about the possibility of moving back to New York. And you see them kind of revert a little bit back to like their more selfish selves. Yeah. I mean, it's a reminder that I think we've had a couple of moments in recent episodes where you hear again Moira especially articulate like, oh, well, we're going to get out of here. In season one and season two, we often heard from Moira this like really plaintive, very like focused, like every challenge, everything that happened was like, and when are we getting out? How is this getting us closer to getting out of here? Of course, we're not going to stay here. And then you've seen them kind of become absorbed into the town and into the community. And there's been a little less of that. I think you get a little hint of like a reminder of that in Latin. Like they planted the seed in Ronnie kind of saying like, you turned down a job. I thought your whole goal was to get out of here. Like they planted it so that we like remembered that. Not that we wouldn't remember it, but they planted the seed. I mean, it's realistic in the sense that like sometimes you either settle for a situation or you become comfortable in it and you even become to, you know, you come to enjoy it and embrace it for what it is. But then something kind of creeps back in and reminds you like, oh, right. What the hell am I doing here? I thought this was like a brief stop before we got back to our life. And that's what I'd like to stay focused on. So everyone's excited. Goodbye, my conquistadors. We are all relying on... No, we're cheering you on. Just wave. Just wave. Bye. And Jocelyn is also, like, cheering this on for, for Roland in a slightly more realistic way. I have to say, this is the most I've enjoyed those characters in a really long time. Mm-hmm. I like. I think that they're great, but they're always get kind of used as, like, the cheaper jokes to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not that there are cheap jokes on the show. Like, like it's all very smartly written. They're but- jokey. 
Yeah, they're jokey. And I felt like they both were just, they were on their A game. Like, I loved that moment um, in the first scene when Jocelyn's reminding him that there's mints. Rolly, there's mints in your pocket. There was a lot of onions in that omelet. Just the way she, like, trails off about talking yeah. about the onions in the omelet, like, that made me laugh so hard. Um, this episode also introduced us to my new favorite Shit's Creek resident, or at least uh, for now, Shit's Creek resident, Grace. Grace is moving to Elm Valley. That's why the cake says goodbye, Grace. We should have asked this question, but I would love to know if some of those jazz gals are work on the show in other capacities, and that's the, they're sort of like where they show up as extras, or are they recurring actors who are brought back to be a jazz gal? She finally gets her moment. Yeah. Grace, kind of. Kind of. And it's, of I, course, Estil's, stepped on by yeah. Moira, which seems like almost a compliment. It's a beautifully crafted episode that jam packs a lot of, of stuff in there. Um, we see that uh, it, it affects David and Patrick's relationship as well. There's some really interesting moments between the two of them. You know, the pitch that they go to New York to make is is challenging. It's a good pitch, but they have a hard time with it. They have a hard time. The assistant, Mike, is not actually there. The guys who are there are pretty much jerks. The one woman Yeah, Bryce who, and Trip. Bryce and Trip. I wrote down, um, Bryce is being same. a dick. And then literally, because the, I thought the other guy was going to be nicer. And then I was like... Trip two, literally that's what my notes say. Yeah. Hope the jet was Johnny Rose approved. <gasps> Although I guess at this point, coach would be Johnny Rose approved. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the tumble you took there, Johnny. Could have happened to any one of us. They're both pretty terrible. The woman, Ruth, who is also a part of this team, but seems to be a little bit more of an assistant, but is clearly, by the end, you learn the smartest one um, because she wants to invest in this and she sees the possibility for it. I really shouldn't be saying this on company soil, but two of the junior partners and I are in the process of starting our own firm. And this is exactly the kind of project we're hoping to get behind. I don't know, because I love the show, and so I want them to succeed. But at the same time, I don't know, like, if somebody pitched this business idea to me that I'd be like, this is a slam dunk. Oh, I have totally stayed at whatever is, like, the actual American equivalent of this. Like, both of the, I mean, I feel like there are quite a few cute little hipstery roadside motels now. I, like, I grew up in Reno and in Lake Tahoe. There are, like, this is what they've done with almost all of the Interesting. sort of okay, shabby so like small town motels in Lake Tahoe have been, like, hipster. They're more hipsterified than anything else. But they definitely exist. I always saw motels as a last resort, a dreaded pit stop. But I was wrong. Motels have the potential of offering a window into the unique charm of small town life. Well, good, because I would totally stay at one. I just didn't, I just don't know that if somebody pitched this as a business idea that I'd say yes. Um, but no, but these, it's those kind of really fun details that make the writing on the show fantastic. And obviously leading the charge on that is Dan Levy. And, and of course, as we mentioned at the top of the episode of our podcast episode, uh, he wrote this episode. Um, and I think it, yeah. it, you can always kind of tell the episodes he's had a little bit of a heavier hand in because it's just filled with all this richness. And I mean, I'm, even from the beginning, when he was not show running, he had a polish and sort of had a hand in a lot of what was happening when he was a writer. But you can tell over time, and I think you're right, especially on the episodes that he is actually drafting and credited as a writer. I think one, a, 
we've talked to Dan about this when we had him on for the binge podcast, shameless plug. But we also got to experience when we were it's on location. It's been a while since the shameless plug. I know. Sorry. We've like <laughs> missed that. I like you guys go back and listen to Dan Levy talk for like three hours, um, almost nonstop on our binge podcast. It's everything you want to know about the first five seasons. Although if you're, ta- although if anyone's like hopping in on episode six, twelve, and hasn't listened to episodes they've one through busy. eleven, they've had other things to go. It's okay. I think it's okay to assume they haven't listened to every word we've said. True. Um, anyway, my point is. We've talked with Dan about this, but the day, one of the days that we were in Toronto recording some of the stuff that we did actually on set, it was amazing because we we got to see Dan wear so many hats in one day. In the morning, we saw him direct uh, 601, the premiere down by the creek. In the afternoon of that same day, we saw him act in a really powerfully emotional and intense scene that we haven't seen on the show yet, so we're not going to talk about. And in between, you see his hand in his sort of, like, guiding light of that with every part of it. And this, as an episode that he wrote, I feel like you get to see him as a performer in that way. It immediately reminded me of how Sarah Levy told us that if Dan is... Like, what did she say? Like, a three. David is, like, a ten. Like, I feel like this episode, David is, like, a fifteen. Oh, yeah. David is a lot in this episode, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But we talked to Dan. Let's hear from him what it's like to sort of shift gears, put yourself in a different position, even sometimes within a same day of shooting the show. Do you ever really take off your director hat on the show? No. It's always there. It's always there. I think because when you write, in in my case, I'm so involved in the sort of the dimensional aspects of the show. I see it from 365 degrees. So um, I have a visual idea of how I think everyone, everything should sort of play, generally speaking. And in the episodes that I'm not directing, obviously you leave it to your directors, but there are times and moments where I need to make sure that certain things are captured in a specific way just because... As much as you can script something, you can't necessarily, you know, put that much detail into a script. So a lot of it is 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 also having conversations with our directors in advance and just what we like to call tone meetings where we go through the whole script and I'll say, okay, I think this moment really needs to play heavily on this character and let's make sure that we hold our, our you know, shots longer and and really give this particular character time to breathe or this, you know, I think we need a really wide shot that lands on a medium for this. I mean, there's, so there's little things, moments that I know that I need Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I will try to communicate as effectively as possible with our directors. Um, And I mean, for me now uh, directing for the second year, it's, and, and gaining more of my sea legs in that capacity. It's been, uh, great, because I'm able to now really take the visual reins and say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. But it, I mean, it took me a long time just to to figure out everything else before I felt like I wouldn't be relying too heavily on other people mm-hmm. as a director. I wanted to really make sure that I observed long enough that I had the vaguest of senses of knowing what I was doing. Is it hard not to, I'm thinking now, speaking of Herb Erlander, mm-hmm. the scene, how in that episode, Johnny is like basically trying to direct the commercial. Mm-hmm. Is it hard for you or for your father? I guess he was there. You know, he's also here as a producer mm-hmm. to not do that. Oh, sure. Like that of course. <laughs> and I think there's a fine line where you have to say, okay, we, you know, we have great directors on the show. 
let them run free um, and really step in when there's something specific that they might not have gotten out of the script. So that's something that I know that I would have to actually articulate in order for them like, to... Oh, I didn't put that on exactly. the page. It's in my head, but I didn't um, say it. But yeah, I mean, my dad is sort of around all the time and particularly now in episodes that I'm directing, he'll come in and say, uh, <clears throat> are you sure you're getting that? I'm like, yes, I'm getting that. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, I'm just uh, I'm just triple checking. Yes, yeah, totally, sure. totally had that down already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in a way, I think you need that kind of care and you need that kind of specificity coming from the, the creators of the show because that's what keeps it focused and singular. We also spoke to Noah Reed uh, about kind of getting an uh, inside look into what Dan goes through when he's putting episodes together in the writer's room. I can't imagine what it would be like to have sort of constructed this show from the beginning, um, you know, in a very, like, I, Dan had never done what he's doing before he started doing it. Um, you know, he'd, he'd worked in television and film for a long time and, and been around it, but it's a very different thing to be show running and, and creating storylines and, you know, sculpting the whole thing and running a, uh, running a show. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty intense. And, and, you know, one of the amazing things about this job and being friends with Dan is that I've been able to see it a little bit. You know, he, in season five, he invited me for a day if I wanted to come in and see the writer's room. That was an experience I'd never had. Um, you know, just because he was like, you know, just pull back the curtain a little bit and, and have a look at how we organize our scenes and structure it and all that stuff. And, and so I think, you know, I mean, I'm continually impressed by his, his, uh, the, the multifacetedness of his skill set and and what this job requires of him so i think the crying <laughs> in these emotional moments um is very real right now there's a lot of stuff i mean we're we're a few weeks away from from finishing this this series and uh i can't really imagine what that must feel like it's sort of like sending your kid off to university or something you know and, and just sort of let letting go of the reins must be impossibly hard and i think you also you know, when you're playing characters, certainly when you're writing characters, I would imagine you're, it requires so much empathy. Uh, you really put yourself in people's shoes and in their skin and, and you feel what they feel. And so, you know, I think, uh, I think you, after a while, you really do sort of, it, it, when you, when he steps into David, it's like, he knows exactly who David is. He knows how David would respond to any given situation. And so, you know, I think probably that's also a big part of that is like he really feels for David in these big moments, you know, as as do uh, as do the fans and as does the rest of the cast. We'll be right back with Maury W on set. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam where wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. 
Welcome back. So this episode, again, it centers all around this big trip to New York uh, that Team Rosebud is there to send them off. It was so cute. New York, Um, you may recognize, looks a lot like other New Yorks we've seen, say, in Suits or in other shows that shoot in Toronto. When we were there, it was the week that the Raptors won the uh, NBA championships. And Shane and I had a very early flight and got no sleep the night before. <laughs> I, God we bless were in Toronto. Downtown. You were so excited about that win, and we could hear every yell and scream until like and firework and co- car horn. When we had been talking with Dan the day before, there was a lot of concern because if, like, while they were obviously all rooting for the Raptors. Um, including Dan, who did not seem super familiar with basketball before that year, but had become a big-time hardcore fan. fan. Um, Because, of course, when your hometown team wins, there's also a championship parade that goes through downtown. And there was definitely some concern around scheduling and how that was going to play out with all of these scenes they knew they needed to shoot. In downtown Toronto. Looking like New York. But, you know, this big trip, it's it's important for them. You get to see... you just see Steve, Stevie and Roland uh, really, like, kind of step up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, Roland is so funny. Like, some so of the nervous. funniest Roland moments when he asks for the water. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, you get some of the funniest Roland moments of this entire series in this episode. I'm glad we had that for him as well. Yeah. Uh, but it was it's really cool. And you see Stevie give the presentation. And then you get to see Johnny really bring it home in that same way that I feel like in that great episode where he and Moira are having dinner with Roland and Jocelyn and there's um, at the end of season two and there's that moment that like Johnny really defends his choice of friends. He like, like realizes Roland is his friend. You see him almost instantly tear up in that line. Yeah. Where he suddenly is like, no, this, this is where I've lived. This is my home. And this I wouldn't is... trade that experience. For the... I mean, like, it's ugh. very sweet. Also love that no one in the room really seems to react to the name Roland shit. Like you see one guy like kind of like acknowledge it, <laughs> but not laugh. Those guys would really. Yeah, would really. So I just love that as that. a, and, and, and Dan has said this again in the binge podcast, how they never wanted the name to be a joke. So I love that no one really acknowledges Even the one, that. the one group of people you would think would make a job. Yeah. Um, we actually spoke to Eugene uh, about the meeting in general and what it means for the three of them and for the rest of the family. Uh, here's what he had to say. We get to see you go to New York. What do you think that brings to the show, the fact that you're that you're making this trip to this big city in this way? Well, it's, it's uh, first of all, it's uh, something that probably only could have happened in, in our, you know, final season. I, I, it's, a, it's a weird uh, kind of reality that you've created for five years to suddenly find yourself out of that zone and back into the metropolis of New York City. But it gives you a very strong sense that this is a stepping stone that could get them back to where they were before this all happened finally. Uh, I think being having that New York setting uh, for this big meeting where they're pitching their big uh, motel expansion idea, I think, is... uh, uh, really helps, and I think uh, I think you're I think just being there and seeing it gives you that you know the extra impetus that uh, that this actually could happen. I wonder if this is going to happen for them. And over and above that, you're seeing people Stevie and Roland in a very different setting. I mean, visually, it's going to be a different way of seeing Roland first of all. So you there there's an osmosis going on with these characters with Stevie. And Roland as well, as well as Johnny's bonding with the two of them 
and which kind of represent a total embracing of the town that he's been living in for five years. You see in this episode how Alexis is Moira's daughter and vice versa a little bit, right? So it's like Alexis finds Moira packing. They both just immediately jump into this conclusion. Everything happens so quickly. The next thing you know, Alexis is looking at apartments. Next thing you know, David is like making plans for what his part of that apartment should be and how he's going to talk Patrick into it. Or he doesn't even really talk about talking Patrick into it. It's more just like, we're going to do this. And, um, you know, Alexis mentions that the folks at Interflex have been wanting to meet with her and she could do that in New York. And I, for Alexis, I feel like the journey makes sense. And even for Moira, I feel like you have that, you do remember that, like, this is a small town and Moira is not really a small town girl. And yeah. neither, neither is Alexis. And all of that happens very quickly. Very quickly. I think you get, like I, we mentioned at the top of our discussion, you really do see them kind of go back to their little bit more selfish ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's exciting for them in that moment because this is something that I think it's a dream they a little bit forgot about. Yeah. Uh, and we, um, we spoke to Annie Murphy about kind of what this opportunity means for Alexis and the family. Does it ever occur to a... Alexis that Patrick might not want to go or that maybe David should spend some more time talking to Patrick before deciding they will go? No. Why? Why would it occur to her? New York is the best place. They've lived there before. They've had the best time ever. Um, Why would Patrick not want to get out of this town and see the world and, you know, go to a Broadway play for once in his life? Um, Again, Alexis has changed a lot. She's grown a lot, but she's still Alexis. She still has a real colorful, selfish streak to her. So I don't think the well-being of Patrick ever really crossed her mind because I guess in her mind, his well-being, he would have a great time in New York. Who wouldn't? I loved the final shot of the episode. It was really something unique and different to have the camera so close to all of them. And you really, it almost felt like, you almost feel like a series finale a little bit of just them. Like it it does. It feels like they're all celebrating and they're all in a circle and it's just so jubilant. Like to me, you, like that could be a final shot of a mm-hmm. of a series. Mm-hmm. Um, glad it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you end with this with this uh, just this small little look from from Patrick to David. It's very dubious. It reminded me. I feel like really one of the only other episodes that's had such an open ended um, kind of story point is after the barbecue and after David finds out about Patrick's engagement and how he hadn't told him anything about it and says he needs time and there's it's rare for this show not to have resolution yeah. even as it has stories that kind of carry and continue through because it's Although so as, much as, about the growth as dan told us season one if it had only been one season wonder we would have ended on a giant cliffhanger too. <laughs> totally <laughs> like i struggled with it a little bit like i definitely i feel like there's For a moment, you get caught up in the David and Alexis show of it all, right? And you're like, yeah, and then that would happen, and then this would happen. And then you're like, wait a second. And the scene where he comes back, and he's in the in the store and he's talking to Patrick and Patrick is just not on the same page. He, you did, can just he brought tell, him a treat but didn't really bring him a he treat. He didn't really bring him a treat. He lets him take it, but he's like, you can you can just have that moment where I really was like, David, you are being so selfish. Like you you really have reverted back to that kind of previous version of yourself that was like, I don't but, really care. But, but you do see, still see the growth though. You see the growth because he instantly pulls it back. Well, you know, at this point, it's just talk. So there's a good chance that 
that the deal won't go through, in which case, you know, this was just a big waste of time and frown lines. I love yes. that moment so much. But you so you do see a little bit of growth, but it, it is a, you know, a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to have that conversation with somebody that you're spending that you've chosen to spend your life with and say this opportunity has presented itself. Like I've yeah. been in that position. You want like, I've been in that position so and it's hard. You just want everyone to be excited with you. Yeah. But in reality, like the other person may not be that excited and you really have to talk about it. We talked to Dan and Noah together about this scene. Here's what they had to say. Well, I think the idea to go to New York, I mean, the the business, the sort of the investment firm is there, and so Johnny's offices would be there, and the idea of returning to New York, you know, I think for David was like, well, yeah, that's sort of what would happen. And I think it's a pride thing. I think there's a thousand sort of variables that went into that. And then I think deep down he knew that you probably, that Patrick wouldn't be very thrilled about it, but hmm. pressed on. Mm-hmm. as we all do sometimes, and sort of approach the situation like it was a very exciting thing. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think there are those moments in relationships where you want to want what the other person wants, mm-hmm. and, and you try to do that because you can sense that it's the thing that will make them happy or the thing that they need. Um, and relationships, of course, are about compromise and, and figuring out where that line is. Um, and I, I loved, I loved playing that sort of conflict because, of course, you you know, there's something exciting potentially about it. There's always something scary about, you know, entering into a new chapter of mm-hmm. your life. Um, but you can feel that Patrick just is sort of not excited about that and feels like he's really, you know, come to love the town as right. his home, you know, and and that's where their relationship exists, and that's where so many first things have happened for him. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a fascinating little moment that happens there. Yeah. Well, that is 612. <laughs> there was a lot that, like this, like you said, this sets up, I think, our final Ooh, push to the two. end. Final We've got two. two more episodes. Ooh. The feelings are getting bigger. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think to so much of this season, I you know, we I really appreciate it. We spent a lot of time talking to Dan about how this was never a show that was interested in sort of false obstacles, not just throwing conflict in for the sake of it, not coming up with, you know, things that should just be silly, don't become big things. They're just kind of silly. It's like these engagement photos are a disaster. And, you know, they can talk about it, but of course it's like it's not like you sit there and you're like, oh, they're gonna break up. But this is the biggest, I really feel like, challenge that they have faced as a couple since they've become engaged, right? To have this real potential life-changing moment and that for as much as David, more I think than the other Roses, has found his home in this town, in this store, in this relationship, that he's so quick to look for what else he could have by going back to New York, I can only imagine is like incredibly hurtful. If I were Patrick, I feel like in that situation, I would feel like very left out. Well, you know, and it's he's well, I think trying. It also, it he's trying to be happy for of them. Like, will this person make instinctual, de- like yes. instinct decisions that are, are going to affect? I me. think that's fair. I think that's true because, like, that is that is really the core of marriage, right? Like, that's really what the idea of getting married to someone is about: is that you are doing things together as partners and to like not have to worry that someone is going to do that without you. Or I think certainly in a modern marriage of equal people and and 
this raises that question and the show does not immediately sort of give us a way to make it feel better. Yeah. Um, which I certainly feel like they've earned the right to dramatically, narratively for a comedy series. Like, given us so much growth in these characters that like, yes, can we wait a week to figure out like where this might go or two weeks to f- figure out where this might go? But it was it was a lot. Well, lots to wrap up in two more episodes. Let's talk about the Rose family celebrity name drop of the week. Oh, man. Alexis and David are talking about New York. And of course, one of the reasons David feels passionately about moving to New York is because he must see Carrie Washington in the all-female revival of 12 Angry Men. I don't want to get too excited about this, but I will be putting our names down for that ticket lottery to see Carrie because Elle Fanning is supposed to be incredible as the foreman. Four woman? He says Foreman. Yeah. Like, is, yeah, I mean, is, it, is it a gender-swapped show, or are they all just playing men? I've I would see no it either idea. way. Okay, what was your other name drop of the week? I mean, you go back to, it's the same scene, um, Alexis describing uh, to David, because he clearly does not know what it means <laughs> when someone sends a private jet for you. You would have no way of knowing this, but usually when someone sends a jet for you, it means he's very interested, trust me, and Tiger Woods. Is she saying Tiger Woods sent the private jet or that Tiger Woods comes in the private jet? I mean, either way, it's great. Okay. We're going to talk about our favorite line of Moira Rose dialogue from this episode. There's so many great choices. So many. I love in the beginning when they're sending everyone off and she says, Your father and Stevie can use all the help they could get. Help! I said support, dear. Love that moment. (laughs) Um, love, uh, Love the whole grace Oh, I, I I, thought you were singling out one of my notable attributes. Like that whole scene with her, and like I said, Grace is my new favorite character, so of course. But I think I have to go with... Alexis, let's not count our poultry before it's incubated. I, we've gotten another version of kind of count your chickens before they hatch from her before. And yes. I just love that she has she has multiple versions of not the correct phrase. Yes. I love that. My favorite Moira line. Alexis neurosis is not becoming on a young woman. It fits n- nicely with David's line about worry on your face and how like that's not a good look either. <laughs> okay. we've I think we've now established that we are always going to do what made us uh, cry or have the feels the most before the funniest. Let's end with funny. So what gave you the feels? <sighs> I think that conversation, less less so even than the very final moment, but I think the conversation at the store between David and Patrick. Our business is here. Okay. What, you, you don't want to go? Honestly, I don't know. I Like, you're just telling me that you want to uproot our entire lives and it's just throwing me for a bit of a loop. Okay. David is half listening. Right? It's like he's listening, but he almost doesn't know what to do with it. Like, he can't quite process... He could tell Patrick isn't. He's like trying quite to be a good person, him, but doesn't know how. But he doesn't know what to do about it. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, this isn't going how I planned. I I don't know what to do except to keep going, or kind of start to dial it back." But he doesn't know how to stop and be like, "I'm sorry, love of my life. I think maybe you're not as excited about this as I am. We should back up and talk about it. 
do you want to move to New-? like that is not in his vocabulary and that to me was just it was hard I think but I think it was, he re- it's like it's like uh you you don't know what you don't know he doesn't but know he what knows, it's like but it's he like, knows that he doesn't know this he's like he's yes. like I want to make this better but I don't know it's how it's like Alexis explaining what it feels like to miss someone <laughs> and this is like so, like Patrick is too upset to be like David what you're experiencing right now is trying to communicate with your partner without actually listening to what I'm saying yeah. except for Patrick is too frustrated and he just takes his half a muffin and walks off um for me i'm gonna go to that moment where the family photo pops up on the screen behind johnny my family and i have been staying in a motel for the past three years and i wouldn't trade our stay there for anything that's how strongly i believe in this idea the fact that he tears up so quickly in that moment Mm -hmm. i mean obviously is a great acting moment for eugene but just like I, this just gave me gave me all the feels. It's classic. Okay, I think our what made us laugh the hardest moment A is a whole scene and B is the same. Yes, am I correct? Most so, definitely. Like I said, I don't know Roland what to had call great this. moments. I don't want to discount Roland's sure. moments, but sure. Good job. Yes, you don't know what to call this, but I'm gonna call it a prayer circle. All right. Yeah. Okay. Are we praying? Don't be ridiculous. To whom it may concern. I think if someone needs thoughts and prayers, this is what I'm going to assume they mean. There's a man out there. My husband. He's out there trying to build back what we've lost. And I'm sorry, 5'10", slow talker. Okay, I think they get it. <laughs> it's our turn to send him a betment. It's just, it's so funny. What I love is each of their reactions uh, in that moment. Because you have you have Moira trying to take it seriously, but not really knowing how to pray. Um, David, who's just like, what is going on? And then I love they cut to Alexis. And Alexis is a little bit serene. Like, she's kind of just like... Okay, I mean, she clearly like, like from elevate. Yeah, went she's from like, elevate ended, right yeah. into this. She's like, nope, I'm totally, say? I'm climbing, I'm climbing away from everything. Moira is desperate in that moment, and in a different way than she has been at other times, where I feel like it has been played a little bit more for laughs or just a little more dramatics. And this is like a moment when Moira is like, she is at a loss. There is a thing she badly wants, and also it's like about her husband who she wants to be successful and in that way it's a sort of like painful flip of like what we were just talking about with David and Patrick but you know she has the advantage of decades of experience and she doesn't just want a trilogy of decades she definitely though I feel like for as much as she is is praying for Johnny to be successful because she knows he needs it, it is also very much about what she needs. Oh, 100%. And, and, but put all that aside, it's just hilarious. What is happening? I don't know, David, just go with it. Oh, Alexis, your hands as dry as an autumn leaf. Ew. If you made it this far in this podcast, I will tell you there are some very, very exciting things coming for you this week from us. So be ready. You're not ready. I'm just going to tell you that. You're not ready, but we love this show as much as you do. And we have more for you, certainly from this podcast, but across the board from EW, if you love Schitt's Creek, we've got you covered. How's that for a little tease? That's my little tease for you. Thank you guys so much for uh, listening to this episode. Uh, we will continue to be back week after week uh, with more. Oh, God. Well, week, well we still have week after yes. week. Just... 
just, just only... those week after week. Yes. Thank you for listening. Come tell us what you thought about what happened in this episode, what we said. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram at Shayla Naomi. I'm at Patrick Gomez LA. Rate, subscribe, uh, give us a little sentence or two, review. That actually randomly is even the most important, uh, apparently. Tell your friends. Keep telling your friends. We've seen you telling your friends. Keep doing it. Make it sure nothing makes me happier it. than seeing on Twitter when people are like adding someone being like, oh my God, you don't know about this podcast. Listen to it. Like that just, it warm. it makes my day. It's great. We appreciate you, the fans, so much. We know everyone on the show does too. Hang in there. Two more episodes to go. We will we'll get be, through it together. We'll get through it together. This has been EW on set. Bye.